And thank you for opening your heart to our youth. We praise the Lord for blessing us with the love of this church. There is no other place I'd rather be than to be in a community that I can get excited about because of your love for Christ and your love for our young people. God is so good. Please take the opportunity today to meet one of the teens. Uh, Say hello and give them a word of encouragement. Ask them, are you doing well? How can I pray for you? And then pray for him or her every week in 2015. If our teens receive this kind of care from godly adults, we will all be better and all be stronger. It is really tough to grow up these days. I don't have to tell you that. What a messy world we live in. Our social media and headlines are just saturated with big bad news. A lot of violence makes absolutely no sense. And our youths have to process it all. We find racial tensions and injustice all over America. We see unspeakable evil of ISIS and terrorism around the world. And we are saddened by stress, depression, and suicides in our finest schools. After the ISIS beheadings of 21 Coptic Christians, Franklin Graham reminded us that we really shouldn't be surprised at all by the evil of ISIS. Because the scriptures tell us that we expect the final battle where God will defeat Satan. And he said, one thing is for sure, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. One day ISIS will bow at the name of Jesus. And evil will be defeated and God will win. We have the confidence from his word that this is how the story ends. But today, for now, our problems are real and big, but we serve a bigger God. We may feel small, powerless, and hopeless now, but please put your hope in God. Some people say things today are worse than in past generations. But I would tend to think that things seem to be worse because this is a world that has lost sight of a big God. Our world who makes little things into big things and reduces God to nothing. Only a big God can save and give victory. If we have little God, we will experience big problems. But if we serve a big God, we will feel little problems. Today I will focus on a familiar story about how a little man is transformed by the grace of a big God. We are in the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. This message will be outlined in three simple sections. When the disciples... With the disciples, Jesus was on his way, walking to Jerusalem, his final destination of the cross. They walked along the road of Jericho, a well-traveled route by traders and many visitors to Jerusalem. 
From Jericho to Jerusalem, there is really a steep climb up from 825 feet below sea level to 2,500 feet above sea level. And so it is a difficult walk. The road is rough, it's dry, it's steep, and it's hazardous with thieves. So I don't blame Jesus and the disciples for taking a break. And before they hike up to Jerusalem, Jesus still had a divine appointment with a chief, chief tax collector named Zacchaeus. Jesus uh, led up to this meeting with a series of stories in Luke chapter 18, the chapter before. Is it any surprise to us that he taught about, Jesus talked about how it, it is nearly impossible for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Then we see Zacchaeus, who's a rich man. Then we see Jesus went on to also give sight to a blind beggar. Is it any surprise that Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus? And then, most importantly, he taught a parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. When the Pharisee prayed, he boasted, God, I thank you that I am not like those other people, those robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. But who would be justified before God? The humble tax collector who stood away, too ashamed to look to heaven. He beat his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus affirms that it would be this humbled uh, tax collector that would be justified before God. And so do you suppose there's any coincidence now in Luke chapter 19 where we find Zacchaeus? A story about a rich man, a tax collector who could not see Jesus. Let's read from Luke 19, verses 1 to 4. Sinners need to see Jesus. It says here, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him even since Jesus was coming that way. Now, if I were to cast the movie on Zacchaeus, here is how I would envision the actor to be. He is a clever little man who has big problems. The first problem was Zacchaeus was short. Not that short is a problem. Short and petite is really a gift that many Chinese have been blessed with. Uh, Zacchaeus was short in his physical stature, preventing him to see and be seen over the crowd. But Zacchaeus was equally short in moral standing. He was short in integrity. He stole from his people and became wealthy at the cost of his taxpayers becoming poor. The second problem was Zacchaeus is a sinner. Pharisees grouped tax collectors with robbers, evildoers, and adulterers in Luke 18. 
And then religious leaders group tax collectors and sinners together in Luke 5. Now, it's ironic that the name Zacchaeus actually means righteous or pure, but his reputation was anything but. He was a chief sinner, a chief IRS man, a Jew who was employed to collect taxes from his fellow Jews for the Roman government. And he had the power to cheat and to tax more and line his own pockets. He was despised by the Jews as a traitor. Now, the third problem that Zacchaeus had was he wanted to see Jesus, but there was an obstacle. The obstacle was the crowd of people who could care less about this tax collector. Now, can you imagine if Zacchaeus is walking uh, along the road to try to approach Jesus, and he's surrounded by this crowd, and they are elbowing him out because they hate him? Um, Do other people, your crowd, distract you and prevent you from seeing Jesus? Does your effort to stay on top of things and to be accepted in your crowd keep you from seeing Jesus? Zacchaeus, however, was determined, and he was willing to humiliate himself, to run like a fool and climb up a tree. He did not allow his height, nor his pride, nor the crowd to prevent him to come to Jesus. Then Jesus walked in his direction, and he stopped right below where he was perched on this tree. Let's read from verses 5 to 7. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. He came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now just imagine what was going through Zacchaeus' mind and his heart. How did Jesus know my name? I don't deserve this. He called me by name. Just like the shepherd calls his own sheep by name. In John 10, Jesus said, come down immediately. Don't waste even a minute. Don't think about it. Just do it. Hurry, come down now. For now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6.2. And Jesus told him, I must stay at your house today. Really? Are you kidding? Don't you know that I am an unclean man? What a shock that Jesus would invite himself to dinner and probably to stay overnight as well. No righteous man would ever enter the home of a sinner nor eat his food. But Jesus extended grace. He did not publicly rebuke or shame him or even be afraid to be seen with this sinner. Jesus just embraced him and was willing to spend valuable time with this wretched man. Oh, what grace we have. Despite the grumbling disapproval of the crowds and even the disciples, Jesus embraced him and loved him. Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly with jubilant exultation because... He was experiencing grace. 
Yes. Come over for dinner. Yes. He jumped down at once and he brought Jesus to his house. We're going to look at verse 8 to 10. Life-changing salvation. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. You know, before Jesus arrives on this scene, you know, I wonder if Zacchaeus had actually previously heard about that story about the Pharisee and tax collector. Did he understand his spiritual blindness and need for God's mercy? Despite his status and wealth, did he sense brokenness inside? Did he sense he was missing something, something that money could not buy? For Zacchaeus, this would be the most important dinner of his life, to have life-changing salvation. When Jesus stays in our house, our lives are changed. Our big God causes big change. Once he was blind, but now he sees Jesus. Now he sees his wrongdoing and his sin. Now he sees the needs of the poor. He stood up and made a firm decision. Because of grace received, he was moved to grace given. Zacchaeus then voluntarily pledged to give away half of his possessions to the poor. Then he promised to pay back, pay restitution of four times what he had stolen. This is actually in line with the Exodus 22 Old Testament standard for stealing sheep. You steal one sheep, you pay back four. But this is far more than the usual 20% more restitution that was required in Numbers 5, 7. So essentially at this point, with his decision, there would be no more lifestyle of the rich and famous. Zacchaeus would now not be exactly poor, but certainly not be living to the comfort of his past. When a youth is struggling to believe in Jesus, you know, they look for evidence. And the most convincing evidence has actually not been the intellectual apologetic answer, although that is actually important for, for us. But the most convincing evidence they, they have is life change. Nothing is more convincing to a young person than to see real life change in someone they know. For example, a friend or a parent's life. When hot-tempered anger is suddenly transformed into this gentle patience. When trusting in yourself is transformed into complete trust of God where someone who never apologizes before they knew Jesus is transformed to humbly confess wrongdoing. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
Salvation without life change seems rather incomplete and unconvincing. But when we see incredible life change to overcome something big, some big problems, some big state of depression, some, some big issues in life, we're even more convinced that God is bigger, God is real, He is powerful, and God is good. Now, my youth staff and I can try to do the best that we can to do a respectable job to lead youth to faith in Christ. But there is nothing more powerful to a teenager than to see huge life change, evidence of salvation in family members or friends or even members of our community in our church. You are significant You are big brothers, you are big sisters, you are aunts and uncles, you are friends. And they are watching for life change in your life. When I ask a teenager, what really attracts you to trust your life to Jesus? I'm actually struck by their answers. And they are testimonies of life change in people they know. They might say, a friend that I have that formerly hates religion that has nothing to do with God now sits in church with me, stands up and lifts their hand and praises and worships God with their total being. Or a teen might say, you know, we had it rough in my home. My mom and dad, they are totally different people today. They used to fight and threaten each other. And although I know life is hard, when Jesus came into my house, God healed my family and there is love now. And this is the kind of God that I can trust. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Today he continues his mission seeking out those in a world who need salvation. If you have many wrongdoings, and you have lost your way. If you need the forgiveness of a savior today, hurry, come to him at once. Today is the day of salvation. If you are suffering from big obstacles in your life, if you are brokenhearted with big burdens, Jesus sees you, little man. We have a bigger God. If your salvation is lacking life change, humble yourself. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, let me make amends with those I have wronged. Lord, let me be generous with others and live on less for myself. Let me care for the poor. Let me be Christ in this presence. Jesus is calling you by name. Come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. In Revelations 3.20, it says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Will you let Jesus come to your house today? If anyone is feeling like they need to pray and ask the Lord to come to their house today, Please meet the pastors after the service, and we shall pray. Let's pray now. Father God, I pray that...
you would speak to us. In the quiet of this moment, Lord, I pray that you would humble us before you to recognize our sins before you and recognize that we need a bigger God. Lord, some of us are feeling beaten by life and some of us are feeling lost and some of us have made ourselves bigger than you. I pray, Father, that you would remind us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord someday. Father, I pray that as we come to you, that we will experience your grace in an amazing way and you will change our lives so that there would be evidence of the work that you've done in our lives to save us. Father, I pray for our church. I pray that this would be the kind of community that's really excited about loving you. That you have called us together as a community, as a family, as an army to serve you and to proclaim that Jesus is Lord so that the world will know. Lord, we come to you. We come to you. Have mercy on us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.